be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills, here with Zell and Heidi to talk about uh, the church, government, obedience, submission, and what that means for us. Zellwin, how's it going? It's going well today. I've been enjoying some nice weather. It's a little on the warmer end here in North Dakota. Kind of a little dry again, but my garden is starting to bring in all kinds of uh, produce now, so we're kind of enjoying the fruits of our labor, which is always a good feeling. What about you? Well, you know, uh, it's been actually very hot here, but uh, garden, what's left of it is growing okay. Final days of summer here, and uh, looking forward to fall. To be honest with you, that'll be nice. Well, looks like we're going to have plenty of gourds again. <laughs> well, you are the gourd master, so if I ever need some, I'll just come down to Illinois. I think that's right. They they, they grow well. <laughs> yeah, I've had pumpkins that are actually doing really, really well too. Surprisingly, I thought they were going to be kind of struggling, but they're they're chugging right along. So maybe they're just God's, you know hearty fruits for us or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Must be. Well, so we're tackling this interesting subject now uh, when we're in a time of unprecedented... Well, I don't want to say unprecedented. That's not the right word. We're, we're in a time of uh, <laughs> upheaval. We're in a time of uh, would-be revolution. We're, we're at a time of everybody having an opinion and a time where no matter what we say, somebody is going to get their jimmies rustled. And, and and I'm just and I just don't care anymore. I, you know, with a lot of the issues that we have to deal with right now, and and really the impetus for this is, I mean, we we have two things going on: mass civil unrest and government mandates that may or may not be constitutional. And so, right. and and in between that is this tension of well, well, what do we as Christians do? Does the Bible not say obey the governor? And as you know, we live in ancient Rome, and so everything is one to one. And and there's a lot of haughtiness on both sides. It's interesting how it is all manifested in the uh, piece of cloth that we call masks more recently. So it, it's it's been a strange few months, and we have to be diplomatic when we talk about this as pastors. We we don't have to be diplomatic on the podcast if we don't want to, I imagine. But <laughs> but when it comes to like the church, you know, you want to be, you know, we want to respect you know, where, where people stand here. But nevertheless, the church has to continue on in what she does. Right. And we, we've we seen, you could argue, okay, during the Spanish flu, churches were shut down. We might talk about that a little bit more. But in the lifetimes of our listeners, we've not really seen a mass forced shutdown of churches like what we've seen. Right. And over right. the last few months. Now, you were in North Dakota, so you were spared maybe the worst of it um, as far yeah. as that goes. Yeah, even even now, I mean, here in North Dakota, I mean, there's certainly suggestions for things, but our governor and our gov- legislature here have been pretty, you know, kind of, you know, we'll, we'll recommend things, but that's kind of where they end it. So it, it's been nice in that respect in trying to not have to deal with some of these things that are happening in other states, but that doesn't change the the question for us. It's still, you know, a live question because it is still happening in these United States, right? Right. And and this is all tied up in uh, in the question of you know is this dangerous is it more dangerous than what we thought less dangerous how do we love our neighbor and so the question we have to ask ourselves first is is the religious service is our our divine service essential and I don't mean that from the government's perspective but from our from our perspective as Christians is this necessary for us. And then we can also tackle the question of then, if so, what is is the best love of neighbor? And this is all tied up then with something like Romans 13 or 1 Peter 2, as you read. Where is the line between obedience to man and obedience to God? Right. And, and realizing that this is a very highly charged subject for, for many people. 
it'll make it entertaining if nothing else, right? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I mean, when when we're dealing with this question, like you say, we're, I think we should probably start out with where you suggested, which is talking about the the necessity of what you know, the service, for example, the necessity of worship, the necessity of what God wants us to do. And I think because we live in an age where we've become very, I say, individualistic, you know, sometimes we tend to not see the importance of these things and sometimes, or we think it's something that we can just kind of uh, let go from time to time and not have any real consequences. But I mean, this is really a call to be the body of Christ, right? I mean, this is Paul's language in Corinthians, for example, you know, the the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And then you also have in Hebrews, you know, do not neglect coming together as, as is the habit of some, especially as you see the great day approaching. So I would at least argue, and maybe, the, and I'll throw it back to you here, Willie, that uh, worship is something which is essential, to use that yeah. government word. Yeah, this is not something that the church ever compromised on. They simply moved underground as they were able. Right. And, you know, as they could get away with it. And so, and and we've not been forced to do that yet, but the church never ceased worshiping, never ceased celebrating the sacrament of the altar, no matter what. I mean, you, you see this at the beginning of the church in Acts, where they are persecuted by the Jews and then, of course, by the Romans, where our religion is essentially outlawed. They went underground. And now people can get behind that. And, we, and we've about half romanticized persecution right. to the point of, oh, well, you know, if, if that were the situation, sure, yeah, we wouldn't close. We'd be, we'd keep going. Okay, well, we've seen what a lot of churches have done um, in the midst of this. And every one of our churches, um, as, as far as the word fitly crew goes, uh, was closed to one degree or another. But now all are, are open again. And it was a very difficult decision to make. And the problem was they said, you know, hey, close down for two weeks and uh, and then we'll get back to normal. We said, okay, I guess maybe we can do two weeks. And that quickly turned into three or four months. Right. And, and right. that is just, that's that's not acceptable for the Christian and it's not good for the Christian. Uh, we, we live in a time, though, where people will stop going to church if if one little thing isn't their way. I don't like the service time, right? Or I don't like the color of the drapes or something like that. I've got a t-ball game or uh, I've got, you know, tickets to whatever. So the battle is really at the local congregational level and it's at the individual level trying to just remind people that church is essential to you, to you spiritually. But when you live in a culture that says it isn't, and by that, I mean a large part of the Christians, I mean, they'll give, they'll give lip service to it, but many Christians will miss church without batting an eye, and so it's nothing for them to go a few months without it. It's not really an interruption in their schedule at all. And, and, and so they find themselves hardened to that reality. Now, that's not to speak to the pastors who are sincerely concerned for the health of their, of their congregations. I totally understand that. But there are measures that pretty much all of our churches have taken to, to mitigate that. And I mean, what's the risk reward here? I mean, I'm sorry. Do you not want the forgiveness of sins? You know, do you not want the, the hearing of the word of God? Uh, it is a question of priorities, not to put too fine a point on it. I don't begrudge sure. people who, who stay away for certain reasons. There are people I can understand in certain circumstances who are not coming back, but, but that, would be the case in, in, in anything, right? A bad flu season, someone who's immune compromised will often not come. And I, and I can understand that. And in that case, usually we would go visit them or something like that. So I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but I'm saying right. broadly, not everyone has an exception to the right. rule. Right. The general rule is we need this and we need to be there. Right. Well, and I, th I think you, you bring out the important point here is that, yes, we, we recognize that there are situations where, at least on individual levels, there, there might be a very valid reason for staying away. You know, someone is severely ill, for example, you know, that would be a case where we'd want to, in Christian love, you know, go to them and help them in whatever they might need. But I think what we see happening, and this is kind of what you're getting at, is that we're using these exceptional cases to kind of create a general rule. And that's a very dangerous thing to do, right? Right. And again, this is not to make light of 
of the sincere concerns that people have. We're just simply asking the question of, okay, how serious is our religion? And and I I would I'm you know I won't, I'm not passing judgment on those who who are staying away, but I am encouraging those who can come to come uh, to the Lord's house and worship Him and receive what He would give you. And so we are thankful for those who are coming out and many of, and I, and I'm painting kind of a black brush here. Right. But, but I, in, in a good way though, there are many Christians who, uh, who sincerely are coming back. And I think many have been, have experienced something of an awakening to what it's like to be forced to go without the word of God and the sacraments for a long time. And they don't want to do that again. Right. And so in this way, God works through this to uh, to remind us of what could so easily be lost or neglected. And so uh, I think that I think God will will work good out of this too. It's almost like he's in control of it, Willie. <laughs> you, you, you could say that. I mean, we're not saying he works at the Wuhan laboratory. But that invisible hand though. Yeah, exactly. And so and so basically the argument's going to be the government the, the people who want us to just shut down or, or do or do whatever mandate is the governor says you must do this. Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, obey the governing authorities. So you're breaking God's law by not obeying them. And that's usually how that argument's parsed out. Well, Zelwyn, is right. that a is that very strong, do you think? I think it's strong if you think it's strong, I guess. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that I think it's creating too simplistic of an interpretation of both Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. Because to say the government, you know, we are commanded to obey the government is true, but there is also more to it than that. You know, why should we obey the government? Well, we're commanded to, right? Well, if we're commanded to, we're being told to do something by a greater authority, right? So to listen to the government for the Lord's sake, as it says in First Peter, and maybe we'll turn to that and kind of parse this parse, parse that out first, but to do all of these things because God tells you to do it ultimately means that your obedience is not to the government because it's the government. Your obedience is to God, and therefore he tells you to listen to him above all things. And in the in those cases where the government isn't doing something contrary to his will, well, we're supposed to listen to them too. So in other words, I don't think our loyalty is as divided as we sometimes make it out to be. We are Christians. Yeah, and we can't advocate rebellion. You know, this is why we need to be, you know, for example, it's, it's funny to me. I, I see pastors who are like, well, you have to wear the masks because Romans 13, but the same guy is, is afraid to say, you can't burn down cities because Romans 13. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to go after one and not, not, not quite so popular to go after the other. Sure. And, and, and I would agree. I, I think we need to be preaching against rebellion. Although I do think the show, uh, the show's uh, image for this episode should be uh, Peter Muhlenberg, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I mean, rebellion is a difficult thing for the Christian to undertake. Right. And yet, within our legal system, within our law, which we are placed under by the hand of God, we do have a right to protest. Now it sounds like I'm endorsing the rioting. That's, I'm, I'm talking about a different form of protest here, if you'll bear with me. We do have a right to some civil disobedience enshrined in our Constitution. And I think that's the difficult thing for us to discern as Christians. See, the Bible speaks of God ordaining men to these offices or rulers, you know, individuals. And yet, in theory, in, the, in our republic, it's the written law that is supreme. Right. The Constitution. And technically, it's probably been that way since like Justinian, if we want to be honest about it. But it, it is it is a different system uh, in the Bible from what we have in America today. And I, and I don't think that that is something to to be glossed over. Well, no, that's 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 actually a pretty good point, because, you know, to be subject to uh, to every human institution, to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him, as we see in First Peter, it is subject to a person, as you yeah. say, whereas, you know, we, 
Whereas in our system of government, at least we try to call our rulers to be subject to, even our rulers to be subject to the laws which have been set in place. In fact, we consider them to be stepping outside of their boundaries if they are transgressing those written laws. So our authority, our conception of authority has become very impersonal, right? Yeah. And and so then like a governor's mandate, then that's the tricky moral question. Is Mm -hmm. it? Is it like a priori bad because a government a governor may not mandate depending on the state constitution, or is it bad because of what he mandates? Mm-hmm. Because if you see, if you go with the first, then you're going to say I never have to listen to him at all. I just right. have to get out my pocket Illinois Constitution or North Dakota Constitution or whatever, and go with that. <laughs> and that's that's a little bit of a slippery slope there because we do need men to govern. Uh, apologies to the libertarians and the anarchists. I understand the appeal, but. You do need good men in leadership. That's just that's just by design, and I, I think our, our the the original form that our republic took understood that better with the way that we elected leaders and, and so on. But that's another controversial episode for another day. But yeah, so we do live in this tension where what would be const- what would be actual rebellion or, or actual biblical law breaking at one time might not be in the other. And that, and that sounds bad when you say it that way, but it's just because we live under different forms of government is all we're saying. A mor- morality is not relative uh, at all. That's absolutely not what I'm saying, right. but I'm saying, you know, laws are different. Governments are different depending upon where you live. Right. And, and, you know, and like, and like everybody's like all, all about this until you get like about obedience until they want to show you their new Bonhoeffer book or something like that. But, <laughs> but that's none of my business. Yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, you could even look at it in terms of, you know, obey the emperor, you know, be subject to the human institutions. That does not mean that, say, like uh, Nero or Caligula. Right. For example, who were the emperors? That does not give them a, a blank check to do whatever they wish, and the Christians just kind of have to roll over and take it. Right. And you know, and I th- and I and again, I'm not I'm not trying to mischaracterize the position here. It's just we have to recognize that there are limits to where you know to what we should listen to, and right. it isn't just as simple as yeah. saying you know they they said it, so we should do it. Yeah, and and there is a time where a Christian submits to an unjust, an unjust government and, uh, and dies a martyr's death. Right. You know, that, and, and that's a very uh, difficult thing uh, to, to discern for the Christian as well, you know, is uh, when, when, when is the time to simply submit and suffer that and when not, and we're not yet there in America. We're in a position right. where by law we have a voice and, and by law in theory, we have rights to the free exercise of religion. And so there's nothing wrong with using these to our advantage while we, while we hold on to them. And certainly nothing wrong with contending for them. This issue today, though, is made much more complicated by the fact that there is human life involved in this. And so, you know, we've, we've been accused of being murderers, Zellin, you know, for opening the churches back up, for example, by some sure. people. And sure. so that's certainly not the the case, and that's not what we want to uh, want people to see. And yet, we are accused of not loving our neighbor by opening, which I suppose is not a new insult thrown at Christians, really. But <laughs> but these are the tensions we live in. Like if we if this was a purely theoretical discussion about just a hypothetical government shutdown of churches, I think we could get everyone over to the position that we're advocating for. But now that we're here boots on the ground and especially in the internet age and with the way that this pandemic has really expanded and divided, it's, it's difficult for people to, to listen to the case that we're trying to make here. Sure. Well, because it's become such an emotional issue, it's become such a yeah. political issue. And for all of those reasons, I, I think on on every side of the debate, you have people who are, you know, just mischaracterizing everyone else. And I think really what we're trying to do here, even with the positions that we are advocating, is to say, you know, maybe it's not as clear cut as, as some, we sometimes make it out to be. Maybe we have to recognize that um, obeying God above all things will lead to some difficult questions, but ones that do have to be answered. Well, and with that, we'll... Keep on keeping on through this uh, difficult subject right after this.
The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Word of God is the center of our faith life. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast available on iTunes and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us on Twitter at WordFitly. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash WordFitly. And check out our website, wordfitlyspoken.org. We thank you for listening and stay tuned for more WordFitly Spoken. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi talking about the Christian and government. Well, we'll probably wait until Section 3 until we decide to make the case for a full-blown Geneva-style, theonomic, (laughs) theocratic government, a la the Bible. But for now, (laughs) let's let's, uh, dig a little bit more into the text that we have uh, talked about in the first segment. So, Zelwyn, take us through 1 Peter 2. Well, now that we have no more listeners, we can go on. So, <laughs> uh, First Peter, as we, as I read in the the introduction to this episode, I mean, he's talking about, as he says, being subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Okay, and I really do want to emphasize in this interpretation of First Peter two, starting at verse thirteen, that phrase of "for the Lord's sake," because I think it really does help us to understand also Romans thirteen. You know, like. Like I kind of hinted at in the in the first part of this episode, you know, this isn't just an unqualified, you just obey them because they're the government. It is basically saying that you obey them because of God, also recognizing at the same time that those rulers are therefore under God, that they mm-hmm. are not, you know, rulers unto themselves. They're not an absolute authority, but because we are subject to God, first, foremost, and primarily, therefore, Anything that the, the the government tries to claim for us or against us has to be in a if against us, you know, is not going to fly because they don't have that kind of authority. Our loyalty, in that sense, is not divided. We are loyal to God. Well, I mean, and, th- and that's going to be the question that the listener is going to have. Well, well, what does that mean? What does that look like then? Right. If loyalty to government is loyalty to God, then how do we reconcile a government that is disloyal to God that is that, that operates right. contrary to God's law? Right. Well, you see, for example, in Acts, which, of course, is also another very famous passage in Acts chapter four, we must be, you know, we must listen to God rather than man. or We must obey God rather than man. Uh, The situation there in Acts is the the Pharisees, you know, the, the, the Sanhedrin were trying to tell the apostles to not preach the name of Jesus. They were just supposed to shut up don't say anything, don't listen. And they basically said, okay, we don't have to listen to you at all because God wants us to do this. And we would think that, you know, that might even be a fairly minor thing. But in a case where they had said, don't do this, completely contrary to what God had sent them out to do, they had no compunction about saying, okay, that means we don't have to listen to you at all. You know, and I, I, because the loyalty is to God, and you know, and only to God in that sense. Therefore, the question is: is what has God said? And then the government is kind of a, a second consideration in this, right? Yeah, right. And so brings us back to the contemporary situation. A lot of people would make the case: this isn't persecution because they're asking other places to shut down too. Well, it's not a question of, of is this persecution or not. It's a question of can we agree with this or not. I don't care sure. that they also closed down Hardee's. They didn't, by the way. Hardee's was always open <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, like that, That's inconsequential with regard to this subject. And see, we get so sidetracked. Well, it's not persecution. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but the fact is we were told by the government not to assemble for the sake of our right. religion. So persecution right. or not, it's kind of a moot point. It's can we, can we listen to it or can we obey it rightly? And... You know, I, I understand, well, like I said, we shut down 
for a while. Um, a lot of people did, but I think if there's another wave of shutdowns that the churches are going to have a decidedly different reaction than they did. Because for all the slander at Christians and for all the finger pointing at Christian churches, especially early on in this situation, Christians generally comply with the government, a la First Peter and Romans 13. And that's what you saw almost exclusively, sure. just very few. And it's only been here recently, so many months removed, that they've decided, okay, enough is enough. We've done our due diligence, and now it's time to to ax for this. <laughs> you know, and yeah, and and again, well, I I understand why why certain pastors have have shut down, but it's it's enough's enough. I don't know how to be nicer about it anymore. Enough's enough, folks. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, because there's a difference between let's shut down for a time for the sake of you know, maybe there is an actual public health threat, you know, maybe the city does need to clear out, for example, because the plague has come near or something. Yeah. And we've had I, that. We've okay. had precedent for that. Yeah, I get that. I get it. But at the same time, what we're basically being asked to do is to shut down indefinitely. You know, this this kind yeah. of open, this open blank check kind of the government's going to tell us when we can finally come back together. And it's like, well, that's that's not... That's not what we're here for. Right. And most states, and see, there's the sinister thing, Zellin. You know, you could understand that if if the if uh, the governor said, churches, you have to shut down, a pastor could reasonably try to make the argument that the governor has the authority to do that. Again, we're not necessarily agreeing with that, but you could see how they would come to that position. Sure. Now, what we have in most states is it's not a mandate. It's a suggestion. And so right. we're shutting down indefinitely. As a suggestion, I, right. I, that's a terrifying place to find yourself in. At least right. with a mandate, the government thinks it's made the decision for you. And sure. I mean, you're, there are exceptions. I mean, you've got California, which is still trying to crack down. A bold men like John MacArthur uh, really standing up against them. And uh, feels weird on a Lutheran podcast to speak in glowing terms of Johnny <laughs> Mac. And yet, yet here we are. <laughs> He's a light on a hill right now. Exactly. I mean, I, and I think I think his example is in that sense a good one because it shows that yes, there are limits to this. As I think, as he put it, you know, we are we're not obe- we don't have to listen to Caesar indefinitely. You know, we're, our our loyalty is to Christ and not to Caesar. Yeah. the 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 whole point is is that the the government is not given a blank check over us. Well, and, and the blatant hypocrisy of this all, the blatant hypocrisy of allowing certain things to go on, you know, not just denying us the right to assemble in our congregations, but denying funerals and denying uh, critical care for people, critical uh, pastoral care for people. Does that, and ask yourselves this, men, and especially you who are pastors or you who have loved ones, you who are uh, stewards over people, wherever you are, are you comfortable with that? Are you okay with that? Do you think that this is really the biblical position on this? Yeah, we want to be careful, and and we'll be careful. And again, I'm glad we have not heretofore made this uh, uh, episode about masks, because I think the masks are just this tool the devil is using, almost an absurd tool that he's using to divide us. But, you know, we're talking about churches that are are not even batting an eye about closing for, for long periods of time. Well, we want to protect the elderly. Well, that's cool. But if you're elderly or anything like most of what I see, they want to be in church. Right. They're actually more pious than I am, more pious than we are, Zelwyn. And and that's a good thing. Uh, who am I to deny them that? You know, again, I, I don't want to, I'm not simply, I'm not trying to just pass judgment as it were. But I am asking you all serious questions here. What's what's the thinking? And, and where does it stop? Where where does it stop with this idea, you know that that I'm now the stewards of this person's life, and that I can I can neglect doing what I've been called to do? Where where does it end? And I realize highly emotional subject that we're dealing with, but right. you know, and then, and then so Zellin, you know, that's what we're trying to discern here: that where is loyalty to God? Where is loyalty to government? And at which point do they part ways? Yeah, and I and I think something to point out here too is that. Loyalty to God and therefore, you know, listening to government as a result 
it, it doesn't mean that the government has to be like super explicit, like, you know, oh, we're not being actively persecuted, so we should do whatever they say. I don't think that that's the way to go about this. Right. And well, and again, there's a place for us to be wise, too. It's like, well, we need to love our neighbor. So you have to obey the government. Well, no, you're the one called to love your neighbor. You don't let the government do it for you. That's just as bad as saying, well, I pay taxes. There's welfare. Therefore, I don't need to care about the orphan and the widow. So, right. so, so we let let the churches exercise their their reason and think about what's best. So, if there is an outbreak in your congregation, I could totally see shutting down for a time. I think that's perfectly reasonable, and that's a policy most of our churches probably have if there are actual positive cases. But you know, you're going to be up in like some Alaskan village somewhere, just refusing to meet. Like you're, you're, you know, you're like, you're on like, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually happened, but you know, <laughs> but like you're, you're, it's like a four hour Bush plane ride to the nearest positive case. I mean, is that, is that how this works? I don't want to, I shouldn't have mentioned Alaska. I, that, that was not a specific example. That was just the most isolated place I could think of without making fun of Zelwyn. <laughs> Fair enough. No, you make a good point. I mean, and ultimately, and maybe this is the problem with our government ruling over such a tremendous area as it does. I mean, the, the amount of land the United States has is just absolutely gigantic. And we're trying to imagine that, you know, a ruler who is, you know, 3,000 miles away, 2,000 miles away, 1,000 miles away or whatever, is going to say, you know, this is what we should do across the board, especially for right. churches. You know, I, I just I just don't think that that's that's not the way we should approach this. You know, let us deal with our own individual situations and, you know, make decisions on individual levels and not give in to the the hysteria, unfortunately, that has been, you know, perpetrated on this nation. Right. There's there's a nice <laughs> inflammatory way of putting it, I guess, but <laughs> right. But I mean that is where we are and these are the questions that we have to, that we have to ask. And we have to do this this is where at the congregational level is the best to handle a lot of this and at the local level, as it is with many things. You know, we're not seeing a whole lot of the ecclesiastical hires up are not speaking too much to this. And again, district wise, I mean, we're all in different regions. Everything, every situation is a little bit different. So, you know, let the let the local congregations decide what to do. Sounds very Waltherian, not my intention, but. <laughs> well, I mean, but it, it, it's still true, though, you know, because we need to deal with the poor who are actually in front of us. We need to deal with, you know, the, the struggling who are actually in front of us. We need to deal with the sick who are actually in front of us and deal with the congregation that's actually in front of us and not, you know, let the concerns of, you know, some other place, you know, hundreds of miles away in some cases dictate how we're going to deal with our own people. Yeah, believe me, living, living a couple hours south of Chicago, I understand that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> terrible when they you know let that people far away dictate what you do yeah and so yeah it's uh this was this has been a very contentious situation and it's going to get worse though because once the coronavirus stuff is over now that now the blueprints laid to shut things down you know you're seeing in the middle of all this in the middle of a time when our nation is extremely divided by design we're we're now experiencing violence churches are being vandalized so far, that's one step away <laughs> from from an actual physical uh, assault of a, of a Christian, and there are people that are condoning this. Broadly, governments are not protecting our property, and we can even make that case if they're even called to protect it. And so, there's going to be even tougher questions and even more black and white answers that are going to be need that are that will need to be made as we progress forward in the United States of America right now. And so it's good that we chew on these during the this section of the coronavirus pandemic and as we, as we move forward, especially for those of you who live in areas uh, that are a bit more dangerous. Well, and I, I think that's an excellent point, too, because we have to remember, ultimately, that Caesar, in that sense, is part of the world, and the world does not have our best interests at heart. Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. And this is why we pray for godly leadership. You know, it's not praying that the person of my particular political party will win. It's a sincere prayer that that the government will govern in accordance with the will of God. And I don't know if people realize that that's what they're praying and that there is no other choice. 
yeah, I know we don't want to mix the the left hand kingdom and the right hand kingdom, but I would submit to you that everyone is duty bound to obey the law of God. Therefore, the government must do so as well, because governments are made of people. Right. And I can't I can't biblically get around that argument. Now it's not always going to be that way, but we're talking ideally. What are we praying for? We're praying for good government. Well, what does good government look like? One that is ran according to what God has revealed. Well, and you see so many times in the scriptures, too, when governments finally do set themselves up against God, God removes them. You know, this is not a case of, again, don't think of Caesar as being over here like he has some sort of claim on you and God over here like he has some sort of claim on you. God is Lord over all things. And men will obey him whether they want to or not in that sense. I mean, you just think of Babel, for example, where they tried to disobey him and God changed their language so that they would have to carry out his will. Right. You know, God, God's will will be done. Right. Regardless of what we think about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in this case because we've mostly talked about the duties of the churches, but I think the duties of the government is very interesting, too. We could talk about one particular peasant's revolt, wherein Luther commented, you know, where where the where the where the rulers are told that their duty is to violently suppress these marauding uh, hordes, and you know that's that's these are terms that we don't really think about. We don't we don't think in these terms anymore, and you know we're we're to a point now where Christians, many Christians, because they want to be left alone to practice their faith have said, well, it's better to have no government. And I disagree. I think ideally we would want a godly government, a righteous government, because we need that, whether we like it or not. Whether we like it or not, we do need the bit and bridle from time to time. Sure. Not as a church, not not that the government would tell the church what to do, but I mean as individuals, as citizens, as people. Well, I I mean, and think of all the historical examples we've seen even on this podcast, you know, of governments where, the church and the government were actually very closely entwined. That's not necessarily yeah. a God-displeasing thing. You know, sometimes that can be a very godly thing. We, we can't think of this purely in terms of American things, you know, but virtually, I mean, the point is, is that a godly government, one who, you know, in accordance with the will of God, and even one that, say, acknowledges the, the, God's will openly is a very good blessing. It's something we should pray for. I mean, I I don't think there's two ways around that, right? Right. You know, you kind of you kind of want to look and say, well, what would what would biblical government look like? And a lot of us wouldn't like that, <laughs> you know. But it, it isn't entirely democratic. It's it's not anarchic. Well, and and in under a biblical government, we don't always see the kinds of uh, riotous things that we do here. Now, it does happen in the Old Testament, of course, but 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 it's because the people. And the rulers, rather, begin following after false gods. That's usually when things go awry in society, in the Bible, among right. God's people. Right. Well, and, you think of you think of David, for example, as king. Very often exercises, you know, priestly functions. You know, he's offering right. sacrifices in some cases. So, I mean, there was a very close relationship. And it's you know his son Solomon too. But you know, when mm-hmm. you finally have the fall of Solomon, is when he does go after these other gods. So again, we don't want to think of the biblical government in term, in purely American terms, because like I say, I don't think that they're, they're not going to be one for one. Right. And, and people would say, well, the Bible is not meant to be a civics manual. And I'm like, okay, why not? <laughs> yeah. We're going to, should I just start Psalm, Psalm two posting here now? <laughs> exactly. It's like, have, have you read the book? Have you, have you read it? And, and I think the early church kind of understood this a little bit better than we do. Because when you, when you get to the church fathers, I mean, yeah, there, there is certainly friction with emperors. I mean, my goodness. But once the emperors become friendly, people like to argue like restorationist style that that's when the church uh, really, really began its decline. But I just don't see that in the text. I'm sorry. I, I don't. There are times when the church can be seduced by ambition and pride, sure. and, and there's a lust for power. But guess what? That's present today. I mean, there, there are, there are, there are uh, church leaders who are seduced by celebrity and by political power even to this day. Not quite like it was 
maybe in previous decades, but your form of government's not going to stop that. But the question is, what were the, uh, the benefits of, of a government that not only merely tolerated the church, but fully embraced it? What were those benefits? And we, and we talked about that a lot with the uh, Justinian episodes. And so you guys can go back and watch those. Or back or all the way to the Constantine. Constantine, Of course. Yeah. Constantine. Yeah. He's kind of the, the example par excellence for this. I mean, even more so than Justinian, because now he puts an end to active Christian persecution and brings a great benefit to the church. And we can't deny that. Exactly. And I just have Justinian on the brain because of the written law. That's where I am. But it's, uh, I'm thinking too much like a Jeffersonian right now. So. That's okay. Right. Well, anyway, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Visit our website, wordfitlyspoken.org. There you'll find new articles each week on the Bible and other topics. You can also join us on Facebook at WordFitlyPosting. That's WordFitlyPosting with a P to discuss anything you've read or heard. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back with more WordFitlySpoken. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi talking about the Christian and government. Well, we've had a fun walk through like uh, First Peter a little bit, and now let's get to the um, everybody's favorite proof passages, Romans 13. Zellin, uh take us through it. Well, we see here in Romans 13, which of course is part of the exhortation section at the end of the book of Romans. So, you know, all not ending on the gospel. Right, right. Exhortation. what we see here is he's basically giving us examples of what it means to live in the the truth of what he's just got done talking about in the first 11 chapters so there's you know working out in very practical terms what it means to live as a christian and in chapter 13 of course paul says as as everybody knows and everybody quotes that every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by god but like I was emphasizing in First Peter 2, I think the thing to highlight here is the fact how many times God appears within this chapter, or within this section in Romans 13. You know, he is the one that, that gives authority. He is the one that institutes government. He is the one we see a little bit further on who is, you know, the, the master to whom the, the emperor or the governor is his servant and uh, you know, and who is exercising God's wrath. So again, we see over and over and over again, I would argue, although you can fire back at me, Willie, if you want to, that it is God ultimately who is doing these things, and therefore our loyalty is ultimately to him. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, you have to see it as, as ultimately the hand of, of God, and therefore when, when the authority decides to neglect to serve that holy function, then we remember who ultimately we're loyal to. And so, uh, again, exercise Christian wisdom with regard to this. If the government comes and tells you to do something contrary to God's word, you don't have to do it. It's not sin to disobey in that regard. Because at right. that point, he ceased being that, what, what do we want to say, the the arm of God in that in that circumstance. Well, and and I think maybe it's important to emphasize here again we don't have to think of this, you know, he has to come and tell us in very explicit terms, this is what you're, what you can't do, or this is what you're supposed to be doing. Sometimes it may be a lot more subtle, you know, and maybe it is using an an occasion like this, for example, to silence the gospel indefinitely or to, or to prevent us from gathering indefinitely. And therefore I, I don't, 
what I'm basically what I'm trying to say is, is that these churches who are resisting these calls, I don't believe are sinning. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I think that they are doing what they what they believe they have been called to do in their situation, and therefore they believe that they have a right to disobey what is a unjust command. Right. Exactly. And that's why, you know, we're focusing on these shutdowns here. And this is why uh, the last time when I mentioned the mask thing being a very odd trick the devil's used to divide us. Because we've gotten mm-hmm. so, it's like, uh-oh, they're starting to meet back up again. Let's see how else, let's see what we can do now. Now, a mask is something that there are strong opinions on on the other side. I don't think it's a moral question necessarily to wear a mask. I don't think that that makes it, I don't think that you're immoral or compromising the gospel necessarily because you wear a mask. Likewise, right. if you take the mask off, it's not as bold a statement as you as you think it is. Right. Although it could quickly become that. And so I certainly respect those. But but we're making the mask thing into the into the biggest deal. Well, okay. I'm I'm just happy we're back in and let's go back to the worship of God, receiving of the sacraments, doing baptisms, all the church things we do. Can we do it in a safe way? And can we be assured that any of these safety protocols we take may not hinder what the church does? Right. And so a a silly example would be, we're going to continue disturbing the Lord's Supper, but you're going to have to take your mask off if you want to receive it, right? And so everybody recognizes that because you have to do that. Right. And so that's what we do. My congregations, we uh, uh, we have continued to distribute communion the way we always have uh, as far as the vessels used. And and that's where we are. You know, that was the early vector. Oh, we, we can't do communion because, because it'll, it'll spread everything. People, what is the one thing needful? What do we, do you believe it or not? And again, we, we've already admitted there are times when you may have to close down for a while in, in real circumstances. I don't think that's a denial of the faith, but to, to, to stop receiving this because or distributing this because of uh, what could maybe possibly happen. Doesn't James talk about this? Doesn't the Bible speak about <laughs> counting your days in such a way? Uh, yeah. Well, and I, I think I mean, you I mean, bring I mean, up honestly, a good point. Would, would you rather, would you rather get uh, the Lord's, uh, excuse me, catch, catch a, a disease <laughs> or get sick from a church service or from like the handrail at Disney World, what what is really of more spiritual benefit? Not that you'll get and sick. Different. I don't think I, I should. I'm not saying you're going to get sick by coming to church. Don't just don't read everything into my facetious examples. I feel like I get don't don't do typology on me, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really is just a matter of trying to understand what we're saying, you know, in the way that we mean it, and not trying to read into it, but. Yeah. I, I think that the point here that you make is a good one. You know, the, the issue of masks, for example, has become extremely politically charged and for that reason is dividing us politically. Now, the issue of a mask in and of itself is, I mean, I think is a fairly indifferent one. You want to wear one when you go to church? Right. Fine. Wear one. Do it. Yeah. And don't feel bad about it. Exactly. If you don't yeah. want to wear one, fine. <laughs> you know, it, it's okay. But because we've turned it into this hugely political thing and we're viewing the other side as either being, you know, murderers or, you know, they just don't care or something like that. It really isn't helping the cause of Christ. You know, we are we are allowing the divisions of the world to create divisions within the body. Well, love doesn't insist upon its own way, said someone somewhere. (laughs) And yeah, and and if but if it wasn't the mask thing. It would be another thing, that right. because tensions are so high and it's so easy to divide people, and I feel for the people that have lost loved ones to this virus. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to make light of that, but I also fear for the people who have died alone without family and without the comfort of the gospel, because they were not because we were not permitted to be there. Right. And so I do think the church is essential. And I do think this is a case where we need to insist that we are essential, that we are needful, that we are necessary, that it's not a negotiable. And and my prayer is that through this, people will come to realize that. Or the coronavirus may well be 
God's way to um, clean the threshing floor. Now, now we're, we're getting fired up at the end. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do think that in all of this, what we are seeing is a very real issue that is being you know presented to us in very stark terms. And I think, like you say, the Lord is doing this very intentionally. We don't want to think of this as just an accident or we're just bickering among ourselves. No, God is teaching us something through this. Yeah. And I think we would do well to pay attention. Right? Right. And uh, and again, you know, I, I understand why some churches have taken different actions, right? I, I understand where they're right. coming from. But we also need to understand why the church is here and what we exist for. Right. Yeah, and, no, I'm I'm right there with you. So, and we need to be careful again about listening to so-called, um, you know, gurus and stuff uh, about this. When we talk to other pastors about this, let's make sure they had skin in the game, um, that they were there, <laughs> that they were actually dealing with it, and say, okay, brother, how did you deal with this? How are how are you dealing with the situation in your state? What you know, what's it really like? And and I think there we we can bear much fruit and have better discussions. Uh, because we're going to get a lot of stuff coming out from people who uh, just didn't have skin in the game. And I'm just going to dis- disavow that. This is a, I-, I have seen pastors step up in great ways. I've seen pastors who were, you know, uh, timid and, and who are now like lions uh, through this. So God has really done some, some pretty amazing things uh, uh, through it. And, uh, and so it, it's not all bad. God still works good through, through all of this. But uh, here, you know, let's be encourager, encouragers of one another and really listen to each other and listen to the word of God and be bold and be brave where we can. Be careful, yeah, but remember that you have the promise of the resurrection. Like worst case scenario, you rise from the dead to glory. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that really is something we should emphasize in all this too. And something that I've seen, you know, among, among members too, you know, saying like, well, if God wants me to get this, then I'll get it kind of a thing. And then what's what's the worst that can happen, really? That we depart yeah. and be with Christ, right? And, and, and again, and that doesn't. And what they're saying is, I have to go on living in the world. They're not saying I'm right. going to go out back and dig through the dumpster at the hospital and roll around in it. <laughs> you know, you're not seeking to get it. It's just simply I, I could get it. And if and if it's God's will that that happens, well then. You know, God is good. He's going to take care of us and all things will work together for good for those who love him. Right. Yeah, this isn't advocating like, you know, having like COVID parties or something like that. I think that's <laughs> right. even a thing. So, yeah. And again, you know, hey, is any among you sick? Then let the elders of the church anoint him and pray. Remember, that's in the Bible, too. Uh, <laughs> you keep bringing the Bible into this, Willie. Why? Right. It's almost like the Bible talks about things that are relevant to us. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and, and this is just is, this is where we're at. And, and I know that people will not like this episode. And I know that perhaps sometimes I speak a bit more more bold. Zelwyn being the Melanchthon of my Luther, if you will. That's not a ranking thing. It's just more of a temperament thing. Um, uh, I don't have gout though yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if. When it really, I mean, just what I'm emphasizing in all of this, and I think the point that can be made biblically with, you know, being obedient to God above all, and then the government coming as a very decided second. I mean, it really does come down to a question of we have to do our homework in that sense. We can't just blankly say, you know, well, the government said it, so therefore we have to do it. No, we really do have to think through this and not just in pandemic terms either. Yeah. We got to think through this in everything that the well, government says say it does. That, that, that we can't simply rebel because rebellion is sinful. They have a point. Sure. And But the question is, is every situation the same? And of course not. I mean, that might make for a fun episode. We could talk about the American Revolution and the, <laughs> and the justification. I mean, well, it's a, it's a fair question. Sure, and and so uh, and and it's kind of built into our DNA as Americans, as stock right. Americans, where you know we kind of want to kick against the goads when we can. I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you, but it, it like I say, it it really just I think maybe above all the point of this episode is just to say, like you said, 
let's talk through it. Let's think about it. Let's consider these things biblically and actually try to consider what the Bible has to say about any given situation rather than just kind of going with the flow or whatever it might be, you know, because like I said, Caesar doesn't always have our best interest in mind. In fact, very frequently is against it. But at the same time, God is Lord of all things and over all things and of his church, especially. So we are called to, you know, do what he wants us to do and to continue in his way. And if the government goes against that, well, too bad for the government. That's that's really all there is to it. Right. Of course, that means that if we decide to do that, there could down the road be consequences. Sure. Well, look at the scriptures. <laughs> right. <laughs> look, I mean, of course, there are consequences. Yeah. And so I mean, we're not promised that it's going to be easy if we do. And we're not and we're certainly not going to win the favor of the world. The church has been demonized by her enemies since the beginning. That's going to happen again. Right. It's already happening. Churches are being accused of being vectors for this. Sure. But other things are yeah. not of greater sign. Yeah. And, yeah. and and if you can't see that for what it is, it might not be persecution, but it but it, but it's something. It's the turning of a screw, if if nothing else. Sure. And sometimes on the podcast we say, you know, we, we live as if God isn't real. And, and that's a terrible thing, you know, to find ourselves living with. But we also sometimes believe that sin and death and the devil aren't real. <laughs> like, like, like the devil isn't just using the hearts of sinful men to do what he can. And, sure. and of course, providence, God is over all things, but wicked men and the devil are still responsible for what they do. Right. And so or will we let the devil divide us? Will we let wicked men do that? You know, there is something malevolent behind the scenes in all this as well. Oh, without question. Well, and, and maybe something to emphasize too with that is we are not citizens of this world mm-hmm. as Christians. We are looking forward to a better country, to a heavenly country, to the heavenly Jerusalem, which is still ahead of us. So in that sense, we are living as a people among the nations, as it were. You know, yes, we are Americans in some sense. Yes, we are, you know, wherever we live in the world. But in in reality, we are Christians. And because we are called as Christians, you know, sometimes that means that we're going to have to face the reality that we are not part of this world, that we are going to suffer the consequences of following after God. But in doing so, as Hebrews tells us, we are looking forward to something far greater than anything this world could provide us. I mean, it really is that that looking forward to our heavenly country because we are strangers and sojourners on this earth. I almost said, and heaven is for real, but then I forgot forgot about <laughs> that book, and I'm glad I didn't say it. Well, now you kind of said it, but no, I, I know said what you mean. It. Yeah. Well, Zone, we got a few minutes left. Uh, what what should we do to uh, kind of put a bow on this discussion? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I mean, we're dealing with tense realities. We're dealing with difficult situations, and we're not trying to make light of any of it. But if nothing else, I think what what we are and have been saying through all of this is, you know, let us listen to God above all. Let us not demonize one another, for that matter. And let us seek to do what, you know, God would actually have us do above all. Because, you know, we're not called to just obey the government blindly, you know, as sometimes as I think Romans 13 is presented. We are called to listen to God above all, and he does command us to listen to the government. But when that tension comes in, we don't have divided loyalties. We really have one king, one master, one father over all, to whom we owe our allegiance, to whom we owe our obedience, and who will take care of us in all things. Would, would you say the church is a monarchy, Zolan? Without question. <laughs> Jesus is king over all things, and he will put all things under his feet, right? Indeed. I mean, it, there's, really no, there's, no, there's no two ways around that, biblically. <laughs> yeah, he he rules and he reigns, and and it, it, sooner or later, it's going to be very evident to those who don't recognize this. The second yeah. coming is not a powwow. It's not a it's not a jam <laughs> session. It's not a uh, brainstorming uh, session, right? It's right. not a Zoom meeting to get new ideas. It is. 
here is, if you want to see divine fiat, it is the second coming. <laughs> well, and, and of course, when Jesus comes in the second coming, you know, it will be as king that he is right. proclaiming his final victory over all things, you know, and death will finally be put under his feet. So, I mean, yes, he is our king and the government is not, period. There, I've, I've said what I need to say. <laughs> and amen. This has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi. God love you and God bless. So they called the apostles and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard.